0: The voice of Ahlu Sunnah wal jamaah <laughs> Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. On this beautiful day of Yom al Arbiyah, uh, the day of Wednesday. Yeah, the sun is down. Wednesday has already started. In fact, in some parts of South Africa, it's uh, sure it's coming up to coming up to Isha already. Mm-hmm, how the time flies. Yeah, in these days, Nabi Karim ﷺ said, yeah, in towards the end days, time will go by much faster and it will be a, a mercy to the believers. Well, things are going very fast and going very slow. Sometimes, uh, you know, we've got all these commissions of inquiry, inquiring uh, um, and one wonders, uh, you know, there's all kinds of allegations and revelations and accusations. Coming out, uh, but uh, when are we going to start seeing uh, the arrestations, please? (laughs) Uh, There's time some guys started getting those bracelets on their hands, eh? You know, a pair of handcuffs, taken off to jail. Isn't it time we started seeing something like that? You know, I mean, uh, it's just like we've got this... ...growing pile of something loathsome and smelly... ...that just keeps on growing and growing and growing and growing... ...and, you know, see people... ...there's openness in government at last... ...yeah, at last we start to understand what's been going on... ...but, you know, uh, the bigger and smellier it gets... ...the more urgent becomes that desire... ...to see something being done about it, you know... ...I mean, when you've got a... ...when you've got one of those night soil buckets... ...to use a, a polite term... ...you've got one of those night soil buckets... It's in your garden. You can kind of like go on with your work inside the house. But you bring that bucket into the house and immediately you want something done about it. Well, you know, um, are we going to see any action? Are we going to see any real action on anything coming out of our various commissions of inquiry, be it state capture or governance at the Public Investment Corporation? Uh, You know startling and amazing but what does it all mean and is it true you know these things need to be tested in court um the 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 jury of public opinion is still trying to make up its mind about what's going on we've got elections coming up moody's has said uh well hey you know what we're not going to issue a full-on uh, assessment of the South African uh, economy. Instead, you know, four days later, we're going to issue an opinion about it. You see, it's, it's, it's like I say, like the parallels with Brexit are, are rather uncanny. You know, the British parliamentarians keep on going. And, you know, now, now, now they're not voting on Brexit. Now they're giving like a, what do you call it, like a... Um, exploratory kind of like votes you know to come like see what would happen if we really voted where would you go and where would you go and um you know now there's like sort of fake voting going on in the british parliament it's quite sad really because you know the kind of the rules of parliament and so on with this uh confrontational approach between parties the the battle for power you know um with nasty slings and arrows being thrown across the parliamentary floor uh you know, uh, you know, we are clear enemies to each other and, uh, well, we, we're both fighting over something that we don't really understand how it's all going to work out. So, so let's kind of like have a pretend battle and then we'll go back and we'll like, you know, to tweak a few things and we'll go have another pretend battle and we come back and we'll tweak a few things and we'll go have another. Except, you know, you kind of like get the feeling they're not really tweaking anything. They, they, they keep on voting as like two dogs trying to gnaw on the same bone at the same time. Um I kind of wonder you know the whole Brexit thing is it is it, is 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 it something real i mean is it real politics or is it in actual fact just a massive distraction uh to keep like the, everyone in the entire system that ensures that, you know, money keeps on going to ISIS, that, you know, Britain can go and bomb Libya and, um, and then go and sit back and not think about it a bit, you know, they can get involved in the Iraqi war and they can go and bomb people and kill people all over the place. And it turns out, you know, there were not any weapons of mass destruction. You know, these things should be, should be like troubling people, you know, as, as the, the, and the clandestine support for ISIS continues, and uh, um, as of the war in Syria kind of like kind of winds down, but it doesn't wind down. You know, um, if you're a proxy in uh, battle, uh, you must know that uh, the battle is not about you at all. Uh, the people who are using you as a proxy are going to be, uh, you know, taking the advantages, and all you can hope for is that you'll survive at the end. I mean, that's kind of like the Darbul Islam at the moment. The world of Islam at the moment is uh, we're like a soccer ball. Uh, we don't have any real kind of like national leaders. We're all pinned into little borders that were drawn by foreigners uh, with very uh, malicious intent towards us. Uh, the governments that we have uh, are unable to be a full proper Islamic government. You do get like sort of bright flashes every now and then. But uh, even the bright flashes are usually betrayed like a few years later. It's a bit like, you know, the Arab Spring we saw um, that resulted in uh, al-Sisi coming to power with America. And Donald Trump likes kind of like Trump uh, clapping and saying, yeah, that's a wonderful development. It's security for America. And we're, we're keeping the Muslim down. Well, there's a bright light uh, shining in Algeria at the moment. I hope that it uh, goes brighter and brighter and brighter. Mea <makes in the air> Guide and bless the Algerian people in their current effort to try and get a new uh, responsible government in. Uh, the government of Bouteflika got very close to the French, as you know. The, the thing about the French government is, you know, I mean, they they don't have those kind of like you know you mustn't go native kind of ideas that the, uh, the that the British have. A um, French government is really willing to go and get like you know the leading uh, lights of a nation and bring them across to France, give them a whole lot of money, give them a f- uh, an apartment on the Champs-Élysées with the view of the Eiffel Tower and so on. You can invite your friends around, your family. To get, oh, what a wonderful, wonderful life you're living. Um, and, of course, as a result, none of the benefits go to the people. Uh, that is a French uh, expertise in Africa. Um, France ensures that all of its former colonies uh, keep their national reserves in France. They're all invested into French infrastructure. It's all very nice. It's all very responsible. You see, it's like pension funds. They also have to invest in government bonds. Uh, And so France, like, you know, treats treats its, uh, its, uh, its colonies money in the same way as it would its own pension funds now you, you could say on one hand well that's very nice isn't it i mean you know it's respect for the elderly and all of that and you extend that same respect uh through to your former colonies yeah well, well you know it's all very nice but then when you go and invest all the money in your own economy uh and uh, the former colonies don't get any benefits i mean that's that's complete nonsense um France, uh, according to a council on, on the Algerian street, uh, you know, I went to Koyaan in as much as the Algerian street is represented in a street in Pretoria by a, uh, a group of Algerians protesting outside the embassy. Uh, but of course, all of them have family back home, have very close connections. Uh, and many of the opinions uh, that were being made at the uh, at the protest in Pretoria subsequently you know you go and you read up um, the complaints being made in algeria very very similar uh, so you know in as much as the Pretoria street outside the Algerian embassy is a litmus test for the uh, for the Algerian street in Algiers, well, they want a new generation to come in. They believe that Bouteflika has been, and his entire government and administration has been co opted by the French. They all uh, spend more time in France, according to the Algerian street in Pretoria. They spend more time in France than they do in Algeria. Uh, All of their families have been educated in France, and they've got all kinds of bank accounts there, and they're always uh, smuggling money out of the country. Hmm. Well,. uh, Well, may Allah have mercy on Mu'mah, That's all I can say. And uh, bless us with victory over the Kafirun and protect us from the evil. Ah, well, yesterday uh, we were enjoying a massive surge, a resurgence on the JSE, thanks to Moody's deciding on Friday that it wasn't going to issue its assessment of the South African economy. Uh, And today, in a usual surprising form now, um, you know, uh, Moody's then issues what it calls an opinion on the South African economy. The South African economy is going to re- remain, it says, it remains on uh, just below uh, junk. It's it's on sub investment grade, but it hasn't got into into the junk markets yet. It's like one more downturn, and it'll be going down. In the, in fact, the outlook, according to Moody's, is stable. So there's still one more kind of like notch that uh, that Moody's could go down to without taken us to junk status, and that is with a negative outlook. They could give us a negative outlook. They could have given us a negative outlook. Now, I think that may have been appropriate. Uh, Some analysts are saying that maybe Moody's is actually starting to regret that downgrade that they gave us in 2017, because that has now pushed its uh, rating uh, standard far too close to the brink. It's not really where it wants to be. Um... Uh, and so uh, this is the reason why Moody's uh, forwent uh, giving its uh, assessment on Friday. Uh, Moody's now, in its opinion today, says it doubts, actually, that government is going to be able to bail out ESCOM where the ESCOM is actually going to turn around. But government has made stated commitments. Uh, Moody's uh, says that it feels that, okay, well, it's going to have to wait and see, see if these things are going to roll out, see what kind of position the government is in after the May 8th election. Are we going to have an ANC administration still in in parliament? Um, Personally, I think we still will. Uh-huh. um <clears throat> probably going to have a higher turnout in our presidential elections than we do have in our local elections which uh transferred uh, control of Johannesburg, Pretoria and Durban over to the DA. Uh I don't see that happening in these elections. I think more ANC supporters are going to come out and they're going to make their opinions felt. I don't think the DA is going to become uh the new government in waiting after May 8. Uh but uh and that's not thanks to anything that the ANC is in actual fact done. I would say that, that uh, it's, uh, it's in actual fact a representation of black opinion uh, and needs and movement in South Africa. Uh, the ANC is still seen as a representative of, if you want to call it, black pride in the country. Uh, there's no way, there's so many uh, black people in the country that just would not countenance a DA government. Uh, whether or not that holds still for the millennials or the the born freeze after 94, um, uh, whether or not it's a generational thing, uh, well, um, there's still many years to go before we're going to be able to see millennials really making a big difference uh, in voting rights, maybe in about another 10 years to go. Uh, but the time is coming. Uh, it's not second Kenago right now, but uh, the time is coming. Ah, uh, one day is one day. You know, people say two day. You say, oh, well, one day is one day, but two days, two day, two day. One day is not two day yet for the ANC. I don't think. Um, I think uh, that they'll still hold on to the majority, uh, according to some um, rating, not ratings agencies, what they call polling agencies. Uh, the, the ANC is going to get sixty-sixty-one percent. So, it's going to increase its majority after that shock local election result. Remains to be seen, uh, but nevertheless, let's have a look at what was happening on the JSE today. Uh, the uh, the Johannesburg All-Share Index is uh, still up according to ShareNet. Uh, it's on, well, it's only 0.08%. So that's like the, the legal breathalyzer limit in South Africa. Uh, that's how much we are above yesterday's um a resurgence, which is still pretty good. I mean, that means that we haven't, like, retraced those gains. There would have been profit-taking uh, because we went up over a percent uh, yesterday. There would have been profit-taking today. And despite that, we are still 0.08% above where we were yesterday. Perhaps it's just um, a drink-driving result, uh, that 0.08%. Uh But the top 40 is up uh, 0.14%. Uh, the RAND has retraced slightly some gains uh, over yesterday. Uh, I did an investigation. Remember yesterday, I was surprised that in actual fact, uh, the Lira had gained a little on the RAND in a day where the RAND had shown so much resurgence, in a day when Turkey was busy counting its election results. When I had a look, at, uh, it seems that the Turkish Reserve Bank took out a whole lot of money and has been buying up Lira in the markets in order to support the currency during that voting period. Um, So today the Turkish Lira is like three cents uh, below where it was yesterday against the Rand, uh, which you could say is a more normal result. Uh, But yeah, it was because, uh, as far as I can ascertain, it was because of intervention by the Turkish Reserve Bank into the currency markets to support the Lira. Uh, over that election period, um, and so that was why the Turkish lira actually gained against the rand yesterday. So you can you can you can appreciate there must have been quite a bit of activity by the Reserve Bank of Turkey. Um, <clears throat> the rand is just like a few cents uh, weaker than it was yesterday against all the major currencies. Uh, so I'm not going to read through them uh, and. Um, the gold is on one thousand two hundred and ninety one dollars it' was on one thousand two hundred and ninety eight uh, eighty nine dollars yesterday so that's not really worth mentioning or wasting our time on uh the big uh, the most viewed shares on the j s e that's attracting the most interest not necessarily the biggest price movements uh, Steinhoff again uh yeah uh Steiner announced uh, today that um People, shareholders in Europe that were suing them have again agreed to withhold bringing in this action uh, to give it a bit of time to kind of like pay off some of its debts. I don't know if that's a good uh, decision or a bad decision. Um, it's a big company. Uh, a lot of things going on there. Um as I've said, I don't trust the new directors. The new directors are just close to the old directors They caused all the trouble. The new directors don't want to call it fraud. They don't want to call it um, money laundering. They don't want to call it uh, all kinds of nasty names. Uh, instead, it's like you know, accounting standards we're not met. Um, that's a little bit too close. Uh, oh, no, the, and I would really like to know if those, Steinoff, maybe I should actually call up Steinoff and ask him the question directly rather than just wondering aloud on air. Uh, yeah, we've got to get more more guests onto the show. Um, apparently, I'm starting to bore you guys. Um, no. Uh, yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, it can be quite uh, physically exhausting in actual fact to continue talking for an hour uh, then you have to read the news after that. And, um, oh, yeah, it's, it's not the best of circumstances. But, you know, we are a new radio station, a fledgling radio station. We do have ambitions. We do hope uh, to be around for a long time and to grow uh, bigger. There um, are a lot of exciting things we're busy discussing in the daytime. And hopefully these are going to bear fruit. May Allah Allah bless the Ummah and bless all the Muslim businessmen right okay so uh the second most watched share today is sabanya also and that's all the regulars uh eoh and the nice pass eoh remember they they got into trouble uh, i think in february sometime in uh, microsoft pulled its uh pulled its uh contract with that company uh a major loss um I've tried all kinds of things and, uh, well, it's still in trouble today, losing 5.4%. That's a big loss in one day. Uh, Nuspass is also in the news as, well, the biggest share on the JSE. I suppose that's to be understood. There's always a lot of news about Nuspass, whether it's locally or internationally. The top five movers on the JSE today. Exaro is the biggest winner in the northerly direction. It's gained 2.92%. Motus, so that's the car spares company, has gained 2.36. Vivo, Shell service station manager for the rest of Africa, excluding South Africa, is up 2.24. Northern Platinum gained 2.10% today, and Anglo Plat also gained 1.98%. So that's probably as a result of the um, palladium price coming down. Uh, Now people are starting to look at, uh, well, uh, auto catalyst manufacturers and so on going to start switching to platinum because platinum is like sort of $898 a fine ounce. Actually, I haven't looked at the platinum price, but that's where it's been over the last while is the platinum price about to recover. Um, a lot of dodgy things going on with platinum dealing. We did on one of my shows on a Saturday. I have a show on a Saturday afternoon between 3 and 4 looking at international issues. On that show, we looked at uh, Swiss bank faults. Uh, holding stores of platinum and uh, how how accurate is the platinum market uh, given their 2013-2014 strike by Amco which removed like millions of ounces of platinum from the market and yet the price didn't budge which indicates to me uh, that there's something very fishy going on. I think the Competition Commission should be investigating platinum sales out of South Africa. You compare the prices, apparently, according to Reuters. You compare the prices. Nice job, Reuters. I mean, I've been giving you a stick because of your Rand price stories, but you did a nice story back in 2013, Ed Stoddard. Well done, Ed. uh, On the... um, on the platinum sales out of South Africa, it's completely confounded many many people that you could take millions of ounces out of the market, according to Johnson Matthew, which is basically the public relations arm of Anglo Platinum. Uh, according to Johnson Matthew, the palm market is in balance, and because the market is in balance, um, well, the price goes up and down, and that gives traders. Uh, you know, traders love that kind of thing. It's like the rand, you see, um, the rand. Uh, well. Get me onto Rand reporting anyway. Uh, yeah, so a lot of dodgy things to look into the platinum price. To look at the platinum price going out of South Africa, look at the platinum price going out of uh, Switzerland. Switzerland is always higher, South Africa prices are always lower. That means there has to be collusion between South African traders and Swiss traders. Competition Commission needs to investigate that, and hopefully, we'll get them onto the show as well uh, in uh, the coming days. Uh, going in a southerly direction today clicks leading the losers uh, that's the pharmacy um cafe uh down 4.16% into prop it's a property investment company down 3.02 a rate a re, real estate investment trust avi uh, is down uh, 2.67 sappy is down 2.57 and Woody's lost 2.34 News coming out, uh, business news coming out tomorrow. Uh, Standard Bank uh, Producer Managers Index and the ABS Manufacturing Producers Managers Index. Oh boy, they're all coming up with all of these differently branded the indices, which um, in previous years just used to be indices. Okay, right. So PMI Generalised PMI is coming out tomorrow, and Manufacturing PMI is also coming out tomorrow. So leading indicator given an indication of the prices that uh, managers, production managers are facing uh, going ahead. Uh, Electricity generated and available for distribution is also coming out, uh, not tomorrow, that's on Thursday. Foreign exchange reserves out on Thursday and assessments of assets and liabilities is due on Friday. Okay, well, that'll keep us busy in the week going ahead. really let's have a look uh, a closer look at uh business news coming out today well we'll do that after we go across to the marketplace uh, for some news so please stay with us the voice of assalamu uh, alaikum yeah well uh, some interesting um new stories to try and mine into mine for some uh, extra data um, well, we've got um, we've got that Moody's opinion which came out. Listen, we're going to have a look at that. We're going to look at uh, Iqbal Surve's uh, testimony before the PIC Commission today. Uh, he reckons that one of his subsidiaries is, in actual fact, it, it, it should have been, as far as he's concerned, as big as Uber. And the reason why it wasn't was because Business Day and Radio 702 basically waged a campaign against him. Uh, So, yeah, okay, but first let's go and have a look at that Moody's opinion, because it's going to give us a a good indication of what Moody's would have said on Friday, uh, but it felt it couldn't, Uh, and it may also give us an indication of where Moody's will be looking in November again when it's due to issue another uh, rating decision. So, it said today that government's financial support for ESCOM and the appointment of a recent electricity tariffs by NERSA, the national energy regulator, it says may prove insufficient to address the company's long standing financial troubles. Uh, it said it expected South Africa's credit rating to remain in line with the BA3 rated sovereigns. That's like, as we said, just one step below uh, above junk status. Uh, but we're currently on a neutral outlook. New, uh, new Moody's instead of downgrading us could have like a t- a taken that outlook to negative, you know, as a warning. Uh, but it didn't do any of that. Um, uh, Finance Minister Tito in his budget in February said that he was going to put 69 billion rands available over the next three years. That's 23 billion rand a year for ESCOM for to help its books. Um, and yeah, and I, um, there's, we've just signed another big uh, tranche of, of foreign money with the New Development Bank, which is, of course, the BRICS Bank. Uh, so, you know, the government is throwing more money at ESCOM and now we're taking out more loans for ESCOM. And these two things Moody's doesn't like, you see. Now, when a government throws more money at the parastatal to fix it up, it expects it to get fixed. This isn't happening with ESCOM and this is the main big problem that Moody seems to have with it. Because uh, now we've taken out some more money. We've taken out more debt. So on the one hand, you know, it's a very red mark against ESCOM, uh, which Moody's has now identified as being our biggest risk facing us at the moment, the debt at ESCOM. And let me tell you that the debt at uh, some of our local government municipalities is in actual fact a very big worry for me because we never actually see those things. Uh, I was once having a look at the Okuruleni's books, and I was amazed at the amount of debt that that um, uh, metro was to near the East Rand metro. It's me. I'm from the East Rand. I'm an East Rand boy. Springs! Yay! Go Springs! 11-month sale, Wright Park Springs is where I grew up. Oh, it's completely black neighborhood now. It's very nice to see. Well, for me, anyway, I like it. Um, I kind of like wonder those families living in those houses they must be going through some of the very some of the things that we were going through in the nineteen sixties and seventies and nineteen eighties when I was growing up uh and i and I wonder how uh, black families are adjusting to like this nuclear family uh, rebo based economy um we were real suckers in those days, and I wonder: are, are, are black consumers more savvy than white consumers were? Have they been able to learn from the terrible lessons that white consumers endured? Uh, yeah, well, you, I know, I know, I know. White consumers were the were, were the, um, the 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 labour aristocracy in South Africa, I suppose you could say. But nevertheless, I mean, you know, we were free to take on debt, whereas black people were blacklisted. You know that was that that was the main difference. We were free to take on debt. We had more access to the facilities, but still, stupid suckers, stupid suckers. Yeah, uh, you know the trust bank, um, the, the 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 trust bank in Broglio that uh, happened. Uh, the trust bank and the tolkon scandals. Can you remember those things? Oh well. Um, Finance Minister Tito Maweni is chucking uh, over 10 years 150 billion rand at ESCOM, uh, which is, of course, increasing government debt, and government debt is now 65% uh, of GDP, and uh, that is extremely high. Uh, no, no, it's uh, 8% of GDP. What am I talking about? Uh, 65% of the fiscus. Uh, sorry about that. And, uh, and it's... Uh, th- just ESCOM's debt alone amounts to 8% of GDP. Uh, and so, yeah, that is a major worry for for um, for Moody's. And uh, when it sees ESCOM not turning around, then, you know, this is the thing. Turnaround at ESCOM is probably the most important national issue facing us at the moment. That's if, like, you know, the the... The water pump facilities and water treatment plants all around South Africa don't go on the blink because of lack of investment and maintenance uh, because when you don't have water, that's far worse than not having electricity. You can, like, die in five, ten days because you don't have water. You can live longer than that without electricity. Right, so ESCOM is $420 billion uh, in debt. And, uh, yeah, is it going to be able to turn around? Well, uh, Praveen Gordon and uh, Eskom Chairperson Jabo Mabuza are expected to brief the media on the state of South Africa's electricity supply on Wednesday. This is after Gordon has been, you know, going on a tour of all these... uh, power stations, the ESCOM head office with a retinue of uh, in- engineers and bankers and, you know, all kinds of funny little spotty-faced people um, to try and uh, determine exactly what is going on at ESCOM. So hopefully he's going to have uh, from the horse's mouth viewpoints and uh, will be free to express them uh, and won't be trying to cover up everything. Um, so, yeah, uh, hopefully tomorrow we'll have a clearer view of exactly what's going to happen. I really hope that Pravin just gives us the the naked story rather than uh, putting a spin onto it. Uh, Moody's uh, says while economic growth will remain slow in South Africa and fiscal strength will continue eroding, it expects South Africa's credit profile to remain in line with those of. Uh, Just sub-investment grade sovereigns, other countries that are in line with us. They say they expect, such as Turkey and uh, Russia. I think they expect government policies and institutions will remain focused on addressing this trend, and Brazil as well. Apparently, you see, they've been targeting the BRICS countries. I I actually don't believe these uh, like Standard and Poors and Fitch. I don't believe that they are objective. They say absolute nonsense. You know, I worked in journalism for twenty years. got plates in my skull as a result of being a journalist Uh, endured so many dangerous situations only to like admit in the end that in actual fact you know no matter how hard you try to be an objective journalist even if you do succeed in being an objective journalist you look around you and you realize that in actual fact uh, you're not surrounded by other objective journalists that uh, these media organizations have very strong vested interests I mean, I went and uh, I thought I was fighting apartheid, uh, but in actual fact it turned out once uh, our newspapers had been sold to Tony O'Reilly that in actual fact I was fighting for private. I was risking my life so that we could get a privatization agenda forwarded by the very same newspaper that I had been uh, sacrificing myself for for so many years. Um, Objectivity is an impossibility. There's no such thing as an objective human being. Only Allah Ta'ala has the objective truth. Um, And uh, as long as someone is coming along and saying, my opinion is more important than your opinion because I'm a journalist and I'm objective, then in actual fact that's just a a hegemonic argument going on. They're saying that their opinion is worth more than your opinion. But in actual fact it's not. Uh, And in many ways, if you look at the concentration of ownership in the media, um and i'd say the very large extent that the demise of newspapers is more due to that uh, than and and uh, control being taken over newsrooms uh than it is for the actual fact that the, the business argument of newspapers dying away completely there's many ways in which you can complement uh, uh hard copy news with a soft copy of a smartphone uh, on on the hop news uh you, you you can carry a lot more news in your newspaper on a daily basis than you're able to put on your website, for instance. That means that someone can buy a newspaper copy and they're able to get more in-depth background information than you do on, uh, on um, <clears throat> many of the, the, the on, online uh, news sites. Uh, online news sites, they have got no ability to write news. Their writing abilities are shocking. Uh, it's, it's, it's even like, you know, supposedly high end websites like, uh, money for instance, they don't actually have a newspaper news writing skills and abilities. I worked at uh, money web for many years and uh, it became clear that these guys in actual fact, um, it's either, on the one hand, they're very lazy. Uh, because you don't have that space constraint that a newspaper has. A newspaper is forced then to, to cut its stories down to 250, 300 words, and, and, and that's a medium-sized story. Uh, whereas a 250, 300-word story on, on a website you very rarely see, because the journalists are not forced into that kind of discipline. So although they say they can give you faster and more immediate news, they're not actually able to produce it. They've got the technical capacity to give you news faster, but they don't have the actual experience to be able to write the news um, tighter. So uh, you get a whole lot of um, noise in online, online news sites that you didn't get in a newspaper. And so they're losing that discipline of news writing. Uh, It's very sad to see, Um, uh, but uh, I'm not saying that uh, newspapers are the way to go, but you could very easily, like say you have a radio station and your newspaper cooperating together. Uh, There's a very strong uh, feeling among millennials. They're very aware, you know, that they're growing up in this world of smartphones and easily manipulated news. So um, you find millennials now in Canada and Europe and Ireland and uh, places like that. Uh, where they go to cafes and they play Monopoly board games and like, you know, dominoes and things because it's like physical reality that they're able to engage in. You know, it's, a, it's not all of this. It's a, it's, a, it's like a reassurance thing. And so uh, the physical world then becomes a means of reinforcing what you're learning on your digital platforms. And newspapers, if they were to play their, their game right, They would be making the most of this kind of thing. Newspapers should be um, uh, joining up and partnering with uh, radio and Internet sites. So you've got that uh, in-the-world confirmation of the truth that you saw on the Internet site. Because Internet sites have always got this, is this true or is this not true kind of thing. And you didn't have that problem with newspapers. So, uh, yeah, anyway. uh, But uh, for the billionaires... That owned own the media groups. Um, it's, uh, it's in, in many ways, newspapers were the last bastion of media independence. Newspapers being taken out of the way means that you basically, I'm, I'm sorry to say this about, uh, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on a radio station at the moment, but uh, as a newspaper reporter, I can only say that I've found overwhelmingly over many years that broadcast journalists were basically bimbos. You know, uh, it's, uh, it's it's very easy to uh, express an opinion on a radio station because <laughs> you've said your opinion and it's gone. But you put that down in writing, uh, it's a very different story. Uh, and when you put it down into concise writing as enforced on newspapers, then you get journalists who are getting very jealous about their words and how their words are presented. And it's this jealousy that basically brought newsroom newsrooms closer together in newspapers than you find in in the broadcast industry. Uh, very much so. I saw that uh, on the Star newspaper in the 1990s uh, during the township wars. Dangerous, dangerous times. Um, you got real newsroom independence for a brief period in the Star newspaper. And when Tony O'Reilly came and took, uh, took it over, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he deliberately appointed bimbos as news editors and editors, because, you know, when you've got really hardened, experienced reporters now suddenly having to uh, report to the news editor who used to be writing Hollywood uh, press releases, uh, you know, speaking about uh, movie stars as though they're first name basis, never done an investigative story in their life, doesn't even know where the magistrates courts are downtown. You just had uh, the experienced uh, principal journalist leaving in droves to be replaced by prostitutes, basically. um, You know, if you are an entertainment journalist who was appointed uh, in that period, I mean, you really were nothing, I don't know, maybe a slightly lower than a prostitute. Uh, And uh, that was the demise of newspapers in South Africa. People go on about Iqbal Serva and all of that kind of thing. But uh, the journalists who now criticizing Iqbal Serve, uh, an independent newspaper group, for many, many years were very happy to take the money and keep their mouths shut while Tony O'Reilly did all kinds of egregious things in South Africa. Okay, so anyway, right, here we are on ESCOM. Uh, The gradual implementation of the reform agenda of the new administration, combined with the reduction in political uncertainty following the May elections, will have a positive impact on confidence and will lead to a gradual improvement in economic conditions. Wow, imagine if they'd given that as an assessment. How much stronger the resurgence of the Rand would have been on Monday. So now, uh, well, you know, this is very much a kind of like British Brexit kind of move, you know. Oh no, we're not issuing an opinion, but we're going to, I mean, we're not issuing an assessment, we're issuing an opinion. Very Brexity, very, very, very nasty. I mean, with this kind of, if this had been uh, published as uh, an assessment, South Africa's economy would be enjoying a very stronger trajectory going into the elections. Uh, so, is this an anti-ANC decision? Uh, is it? Uh, you know, I've I've, I've got um, I've read some analysts saying that uh, yeah, you know, they they because they didn't have any strong or convincing view uh, to come, uh, they felt uh, they didn't want to like issue an assessment right now. Uh, but their assessment would actually have benefited the ANC before these elections. What's wrong with that? Well, if you're a D.A. supporter, there's a lot wrong with it. But then again, you see, here it comes to the objectivity issue. Is has been really objective? Or is it stepping back from helping South Africa? Mhm. Ah, oh, well, you know, we're always going to wonder about these things. Uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, Iqbal Serb, the chairman of the media group, Independent Media, and the head of Second Jalo, he gave evidence before the PIC Commission today, uh, and of course, uh, a whole lot of arguments uh, uh, have arisen. Uh, he has uh, criticized uh, Magda, I, got, I can't pronounce her name, uh, but uh, we will get into that a little bit later. Um now I'm just trying to find. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to find the story. There's a focus on different. Uh, mm. Ah yes, uh, Iqbal Server today claimed that bad press from rival media houses that scuppered the listing of Sagar Mata Technologies on the JSE. He said he had no doubt it would have reached the market capitalization of $10 billion or 141 billion uh, rands at current exchange rates. Uh, he said... Um Sagarmata was not successful in securing funding and failed to list on the JSE in April 2018. It had hoped to secure 3 billion rand in funding from the PIC out of a total investment of 4.5 billion. He said the fact that the PIC did not invest in Sagarmata was a missed opportunity. For the first time, a unicorn would emerge from the African continent, he said. Uh, I must say business news sites are presenting this opinion of Mr. Server as though uh, he is a nut. Because there's no ways uh, that uh, it would have equaled Uber's uh, valuation. Uh, He told uh, this was the fault of media competitors who sabotaged the listing and blatantly put negative propaganda in the public space. I would say that there is some truth in that claim. He did not provide any evidence of how it happened. He also blamed the Companies and Intellectual Property Commission for scuppering the listing by raising an issue with one of the subsidiary companies. It had no basis for them to do it, he said. Uh, The JAC cancelled Sagamata's listing, saying the company had not submitted its annual financial statements to the Registrar of Companies, who is known as the Companies and Intellectual Property Commission, in time for the listing to go ahead. Survey says that the group had submitted its statements which is very strange. One would have thought he would have openly challenged the JSC uh, on that issue uh, at the time. He also said some analysts did not understand how to value multi-sided platforms like Saga Martin compared to the likes of Uber, Airbnb, and Amazon. Mm, Yeah, well, okay. Uh, Lebohang Molebatsi, General Manager for Listed Equities at the PIC, uh, had already told the Commission that engagements with Sagamata revealed its valuation was significantly lower than the company's requested initial public, public offering, uh, but Sagamata was not willing to lower the expectations. In mid-March, Molebatsi said a fair value was R7.06 a share compared to the IPO asking price of R39.62. So as I say, uh, is Iqbal Server being accurate in his assessment? Uh, Is he uh, Looney Tunes, as seems to be implied by uh, the way his stories are being presented in the financial media? Financial media, wholly and completely um, in antipathy. Towards him, I would say very largely it's a result of his ego and the idiotic statements he continues making with such regular abandon. He should just stay out of the public spotlight. Tony O'Reilly, he got away with far more than Iqbal Surve has got away with so far. Not saying that Iqbal Surve is doing anything illegal, anything at all. But let me tell you that Tony O'Reilly, far worse than Iqbal Surve, and he's able to get away with it because he kept out of the public limelight. Iqbal Server has got a very big ego, and this is probably the biggest challenge facing independent newspapers, if you ask me. Uh, Anyway, okay, I'm not going to get a job at independent newspapers. Not not for a while. Well, who knows? Uh, uh, Well, it's very sad. Kind of like the way the relationship between myself and that uh, newspaper group parted uh, hands, parted ways uh, many years ago. Uh, That was when I was investigating those... uh, CIA abducting Muslims out of the country. Um, you know the ANC was cooperating with the CIA and MI6. Of course, Business Day found nothing wrong with that. Uh, business Day didn't even cover these issues. Sunday Times, in actual fact, had a news blackout thanks to Mondi Makanya, the then editor of the Sunday Times, uh, completely ignored. Uh, rendition of Muslims out of the country. The Sunday Times then, uh, only years later, rediscovered the word renditions when the CIA and MI6 were no longer renditioning people, when the renditioning program was no longer taking place, when uh, they accused uh, some South African minister of trying to rendition uh, basically Zimbabwean um, migrants uh, out of South Africa. They call that a rendition story. That's the Sunday Times investigative unit. You must remember, Sunday Times investigative unit also had uh, its uh, stories into the SARS spy unit. Uh, they had to retract them all and so on, all over the same period as well, of course. So, yeah, misbehaving media outlets uh, is not unusual in South Africa. Um Mr. Server doesn't strike me as being one of the most pleasant people in the media industry at the moment, but I can assure you he's not the most unpleasant. There's far worse people in the media industry than himself. Okay. Um, however, his I.O. group did yesterday evening issue its results. Now, uh I.O. has been accused of all kinds of things, but um, I, can't, I, I don't know if these are audited financial statements. It's an interim result. Uh, usually those are unaudited. Uh, well, well, they've said, and they, and they are not allowed to mislead the market in these things. So this is a legally uh, binding statement uh, for Iqbal Serv uh, and the I.O. Uh, company. I uh, said that revenue increased to six hundred and seventy four point five million uh, It was three hundred and forty eight million in the previous uh, period. Gross profit jumped to two hundred and five million from one hundred and twenty four million and uh, uh, after taxation profitable attributable to shareholders, the dividend uh, Soared to 295 million from 47.4 million, while headline earnings a share grew to 56 cents from 17 cents. So that's like a really healthy company by all sounds, by all measures. Um, an interim gross dividend of 35 cents a share compared to nine cents a share in the previous period has been declared out of income reserves in respect of ordinary shares. Okay, fine. This is what the results company says. Its prospects looking forward are really, really rosy. All right. Okay. So um, that's what Io is saying at the moment. Um, uh, given with all of the allegations and things going around, Sunday Times saying that Iqbal's server was using uh, his loan from the PIC as his own private piggy bank account. Uh, there's also news coming out that uh, he claimed to have a PIC director in his back pocket and uh, that particular claim uh, has been made by Magda Um uh, let me just call out that story quickly uh, she is uh, very attractive uh, in fact I would say like uh, at the moment it may be, may be rude to say it but look you know what speaking uh, in all the uh, male-dominated world that is the investing universe, the trading universe. He called Magda Wira Zicha a delusional because she has said publicly that uh, that Iqbal Sir was sitting right next to her. When he claimed at uh, one of the uh, independent newspaper awards ceremonies, the Red Bull Awards, these are the most um, the best performing companies on the JSE in a year. Business Report. I don't know if Business Report still has it. I don't know if the JSE is interested in Business Report's um, awards anymore uh, since Iqbal took over. Thank you, Iqbal for messing things up. Yes, you did it. You did it. You. Um, he calls her delusional, but she's ready to testify at the PIC inquiry to the fact that at the Red Bull Awards, you know, I think it was in 2016, Iqbal Server turned round to her and he said, "That guy Fidelis Madavo is in my pocket." He now says that uh, uh, Ms. zicha is delusional. But she has now, uh, when she was contacted on this, uh, says she's willing. She's not going to comment on it in the media because, of course, uh, well, it could be defamatory. You go before an inquiry, and you're you're protected from defamation. Uh, so she's going to testify at the PRC inquiry, or she says she's ready to testify. So anyway, that's where that things sit at the moment. And with that, we are going to have to say, Jazakamala for joining us. It's uh, time uh, for Business Matters uh, to put itself to bed. Uh, Inshallah, you'll join us at the same time tomorrow. No, don't join us at the same time tomorrow because then you'll only have two minutes left for me to do my show. Join me 58 minutes earlier than this time tomorrow. <laughs> Jazakamullah for joining us. I make dua that Whatever trading activity you got up to today has been profitable and above all, halal. Asalaamu Alaikum warahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Maraka Sahaba, the voice of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah.